Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Good morning. morning. Let me start with a question this morning. It's a simple question. Do you want to be wise... Or do you want to be foolish? A question that needs no response. (laughs) A rhetorical sort of question. Would you like your life to be marked with wisdom or your life to be marked with folly? I'll bet that none of us woke up this morning and we thought to ourselves, you know, I want to do something really, really, really stupid today. You know, I want, to, I want to get up and I want to do a kind of a series of decisions and choices and actions that are going to absolutely sabotage my life. Today is the day that I'm going to act like an absolute idiot and ruin my life. Nobody got up this morning and thought to themselves, that's what I want to do. I, I think most of us want to make good choices. We want to make healthy choices. We want to make life-giving choices. We want to make wise choices. Now, what if I told you that there is a way for you to get wisdom? What if I told you that actually there's actually a guide, a manual, and it can lead you to make choices, in all, good choices in almost every aspect of your life? Choices about making friends, choices about choosing a spouse, Choices about working through some of your conflicts or some of your issues. Choices about managing money. Even simple little choices, everyday choices like table manners and gardening. What if I told you that there's an actual book that can help you make those sorts of wise choices? You know, if you're like me, maybe you've spent a very large portion of your life making foolish choices. Like jumping off the hood of a moving car at 30 miles an hour. Or dating two girls in the same small city known as Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, at the same time. (laughs) Foolish choices. Or or maybe you've been around a lot of foolish people, and their foolish choices have kind of rubbed off on you, right? So you've had maybe very few good role models, very few good examples in your life. So the question is, how do you get wisdom? Well, for the next five weeks, as a church... We are going to be diving into the book of Proverbs together. And it's essentially an instruction manual on how we, uh, as God's people, can get wisdom. It, does actually, it actually does a deep dive into this subject matter. Proverbs 4, uh, it challenges us in this way. We're going to bring it up on the screen here. It says, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. So the title of the series that we're going to be going through is called No Fool. And I'm hoping that we will, as we go through this series, we will chase down wisdom and we'll run away from folly. So today is essentially an introduction to the series. And I want to invite you to take up this challenge with me today, to take up this challenge as being a person who gets wisdom, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, to chase it down and to seek it out. And so, 
as we get wisdom together, I'd like to answer three questions for us this morning that I think are very, very relevant as we jump into this topic. And the three questions are simply this. Number one, what is wisdom? Number two, why should I get wisdom? And number three, how do I get wisdom? So let me jump into the first question right away. What is wisdom? Well, the Hebrew word that we'll find in the book of Proverbs is hachma for wisdom. You could say that to the person. Just turn to the person side and say hachma. Right? It's just like you just cleared your throat, right? It's delicious when you think about it. Hachma. Well, the, the word wisdom in, in the Hebrew, it, it actually, and, and you'll find this in the book of Proverbs played out, essentially means skill for living. It's all about how to live well in the world that God has created. Not just in theory, but actually in very hands-on, practical sort of ways. So the book of Proverbs, as you walk through it, tells us just how to do just that. It shows us how to get wisdom so that we can move from being Padawans in the wisdom realm to being Jedi masters in the wisdom realm. So we become masters of our lives. Skillful living. Star Wars fans, thank you. Live long and prosper. Oh, I just insulted you. Okay. <laughs> at its core, at its core, wisdom is about becoming the right kind of person who makes the right kind of decisions. So wisdom is it's about character. It's about who you are on the inside. But wisdom is also about conduct. It's about how you live your life in the world in which we live today. It's about living as a wise and godly person in every aspect of your life. You know, we, we live in a world that is fascinated with information. I mean, this is, after all, the information age, is it not? So you've probably been in this scenario. How many of you have been in this scenario before where you're sitting around a table with a group of friends and you have a trivia question, and then all of a sudden there is a race to see who can Google it the quickest? Ever been in that scenario before? Yes, you have. In the day and age, information is highly valued. Knowledge is power. But here's the thing. Knowledge is not the same as wisdom. It might be a part of wisdom, but knowledge is not wisdom. We also live in a day and age where we highly esteem intelligence, right? But how many of you know you can be intelligent and still not be wise? There are a lot of intelligent people in the world today jumping off of bridges and betting money on the Edmonton Eskimos, right? <laughs> now, intelligence, again, it's a part of wisdom, but intelligence is not wisdom. Wisdom is about being skilled in every aspect of your life, in your friendships, in marriages, in parenting, in the workplace, in the marketplace, in your conversations with people, in dealing with problems, in some of the rudimentary, basic, everyday aspects of life. This is what the wisdom literature leads us towards, being wise in every part of your life, skill for living. And so the book of Proverbs says to us, come with me. I want to invite you on a journey to get wisdom. Now, on that journey towards getting wisdom, I think it's important to mention that when we read Proverbs, we have to actually read it in the right frame of mind. So I want to talk about two mind frames really quickly that will help you as you become a reader and a student of the book of Proverbs and its wisdom. The first one is this. Proverbs are not just good advice. We, we are inundated with good advice all the time. I mean, it's not hard to find. Not, I mean, we've got doting parents, first of all, telling us how to live our lives, right? Um, then there are blogs that are committed to helping you find your best life ever, right? We've got YouTube videos that are full of life hacks and how to, how to fix your life in a hurry, right? And if you're old school, if you're old school, 
you can head on down to chapters and pick up this paper thing called a book, right? And you can find life's little instruction book that'll teach you how to live your life. So we, are, we have no shortage of uh, good advice in our culture. The book of Proverbs is so much more than just good advice. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, it makes no claim whatsoever to it being good advice. Instead, the book of Proverbs says that it is an invitation to live in alignment with God's moral order in the universe. Let me say that again. It is an invitation to live in alignment with God's moral order in the universe. See, there's actually this big overarching story that's behind the book of Proverbs, and you discover it as you read it. It's what some people would call a meta-narrative, and it's tied to actually the, to the creation story in the Bible. The story is just simply this. God created the world. God created the world and everything that's in it. He created the world out of nothing. Ex nihilo, as they'd say in Latin. Something out of nothing, God created the world. And God formed and fashioned the world by taking out of chaos and forming order. And when God did that, he used wisdom to do it. Wisdom actually existed before the creation itself. And God used his wisdom to create the created order. We find this in Proverbs chapter 3. Here's what it says. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. And you read it a little bit later on, even more elaborated in Proverbs chapter 8, where it's basically saying, you know, wisdom is not just horse sense. Wisdom is not just good advice. Wisdom is woven into the very foundation and fabric of the universe. And God used wisdom to create everything that is around us. And so the world that we live in today is a world that has been ordered under wisdom. Now, because of the fall, we know the story, Genesis chapter 3, the world was broken, sin came into the world, broke the world, fragmented it. It fragmented this order that was there. And so we live in a world now today where chaos is still trying to find its way back into the created order, where the created order and us, we're kind of leaning back towards chaos and away from God's moral order, right? So we're caught in this conflict, in these lives that we live in, this conflict between chaos and order, light and dark, good and evil, wisdom and folly. So Proverbs teaches us that, that when we choose wisdom, when we choose to live our lives and we walk in wisdom, we are living in alignment with God's moral order in the universe, the very fabric of creation through which God created the universe. But when we choose folly... We're, well, it's like we're misaligned. It's like we're in need of a divine chiropractor who's going to straighten us out again. Or it's like we've got a few degrees of separation and we need to course correct our compass back to true north. And wisdom will do that. So the wisdom of Proverbs is more than good advice. So that's the first thing that's important to understand, that frame of mind. But here's the second frame of mind that's important as well as you dive into the book of Proverbs. It's this, is that Proverbs are not promises. You know, people sometimes, they make the mistake that when they read Proverbs, they, they treat it like it's a, a recipe or a mathematical formula. You know, so in other words, when I do A, the, the, the obvious result will therefore be B. A will lead to B. Just do this, mix it up, put it in a bowl, and out comes your casserole, okay? But the book of Proverbs are not about promises. The book of Proverbs, rather, it contains probabilities. And that's, there's an important dif difference. For example, let me give you an example. Well-known proverb. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Here's what it says. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
So is this a promise? Is this a promise that every parent who does a perfect job of raising up their children, pointing them to Jesus, modeling a life of faith for them, that at the end of the day, the child is going to choose to follow Jesus? Is this a promise? No. It's, it's, it's generally true, for the most part, but we all know that we live in a fallen world that's leaning towards chaos. We know that people have free wills. They can make their own choices at the end of the day. And we also know that some of the best parents in the world have, have raised their kids beautifully and the kids have walked away. Let me give you an example. Adam and Eve. Best parent ever. Adam and Eve's kids, Cain and Abel. What did Cain do? He killed his brother. Right? So, so Proverbs does not present to us promises. There's a good probability that if you disciple your children, you love your children, they're going to continue on in the faith, but it's not a promise. There's also a good probability that if you completely ignore the moral instruction and the discipleship of your children, that they'll choose not to follow, right? So it's a probability, but it's not a promise. Hey, friends, listen, we live in a, we live in a fallen world where chaos is still at work, and because of this, there will always be exceptions to the probabilities of Proverbs. Sometimes the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Sometimes the diligent farmer does everything right and plants his field and it gets destroyed by a drought. Sometimes parents raise their kids up in godly homes and their kids still choose to walk away from faith because we're dealing in a world of chaos and probabilities, not promises. And that is why God comes to our aid and he gives us other wisdom literature. This is why God not only gives us the book of Proverbs with these probabilities, but God also gives us the book of Job that talks about suffering. And God also, in his grace, gives us the book of Ecclesiastes that talks about the meaningless of everything. God understands what's happening in the world in which we live on, this fight between chaos and moral order. So on the road to getting wisdom, it's just really, really important, okay? It's really, really important that you read Proverbs with the right frame of mind and you understand what's going on in the text. So that's, that's, the, that's the first question, what is wisdom? Here's the second question, why should I get wisdom? Why would, I, why would I ever chase after wisdom? And I'm going to do this one really quickly. The short answer is just simply this, is that when you get wisdom, it leads to blessing. When you get wisdom, it leads to blessing. Let me read from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than, uh, than gain from silver and profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Long life is in her, uh, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. So what it's saying is, wisdom is worth everything. It's worth more than all the money in the world. And whoever finds wisdom will have a blessed life. And I thought, well, what is, uh, you know, what, is, what is a blessed life? What does that look like? You know, so I, I went through the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, and I tried to look at some of the, some of the, some of the blessings that God pro, uh, provides for those who walk in the way of wisdom. And let me just list some of them for you today. Long life, riches and honor, peace, good health, insight and discernment, freedom from self-destruction, life for your soul, a good night's rest, courage, and I could go on and on about some of the blessings that come from aligning your life with God's moral order through wisdom. Now, I, I think it's really important here, though, that, that we, we are very careful, okay, and that we understand that uh, these blessings are the results of God's grace. Okay, they are always a gift, gift because what, what wisdom comes to us from God himself. He gives it to us as a gift. And the results that, that come about from living in, in, in his wisdom are also a gift from God. So in other words, you can't earn them, 
You don't deserve them. Really, all of us were beggars at the feast when we come before God. But the natural consequence, the result of living your life in alignment with God's moral order is it will inevitably lead to blessing in your life. Not as a promise, but as a probability. James 1.17 reminds us this. It says, every good, every good and perfect gift comes to us uh, from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So it is a gift that's given to us, but there is a blessing that comes from living your life in wisdom. And here's the most important question, I think, of the day. Is, if that's true, I mean, if wisdom is so good, and if wisdom's going to bless us so much, how then do I get wisdom in my life? Um, let me just say that neither Karen and I like to go grocery shopping. Neither of us like it. We just, just don't enjoy it at all. Uh, so it's kind of a necessary evil in the Chartrand home. But sometimes, sometimes I get the short straw, and I'm the guy who has to go out and get the groceries. And, and one of the items that often gets on our grocery list is a watermelon, okay? And I'm not talking like the big watermelons, okay? I'm talking about the little genetically modified watermelon. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that can probably give you cancer in 20 years. That watermelon, okay? And that gets on our list. And as I'm walking out the door, inevitably, Karen says to me, Rob, make sure that when you get our watermelon, that you get me a ripe watermelon. Now, I have to confess to you this morning, I absolutely suck at choosing watermelons, okay? I am terrible at it. I mean, I've gone to Google. I've Googled it, okay? So I know you're probably going to come up to me afterwards and give me all sorts of advice on how to choose a watermelon, right? I know that it has to feel like a certain weight, and I know that there's a certain color, and I know when you tap it, it has to make a certain sound. And I've tried all of that. I really have. But almost nine times out of ten, when I come home and I present my watermelon to Karen, she takes one look at it, just one look at it, and she kind of goes, hmm. Right, and guarantee, you know, it gets over to the cutting board, you know, the hashtag husband fail, get over to the cutting board, she cuts it open, and it's not ripe, or there's something wrong with it, right? I cannot, for the life of me, get a good watermelon. And you can imagine my daughters are probably glad that we don't have arranged marriages in our home, right? <laughs> Bring the future husband home, Karen looks at it and goes, hmm, you know, <laughs> you imagine that? <laughs> So, by the way, a couple of months ago, Karen drew the short straw, and she had to run for groceries, and she brought home a watermelon. I take no pleasure in telling you this morning <laughs> that it was a terrible watermelon. It was an awful watermelon. It, I mean, it was the worst watermelon on the planet that she brought home. And as she stared down at this vile abomination on the cutting board... <laughs> I was not smug at all. I was a good husband. I rubbed her back and I said, oh, muffin. I get it. I understand. Now, for some of us, getting wisdom can feel almost as elusive as getting a good watermelon. Because it seems like we live in a day and age where wisdom is in pretty short supply. And sometimes I think when I gather around to pray with a group of Christians, oftentimes they're like, I need wisdom. Oh, I need wisdom. Yeah, pray for me. I need, I need wisdom. Any of you ever prayed for wisdom lately? Okay. We, we want wisdom. So where do I get wisdom? Well, thankfully, the Proverbs 
comes to our rescue. Proverbs actually talks to us about how we can get wisdom. And so I'd like to take just a few minutes and talk about three paths to wisdom that we find in, in Proverbs. Here's the first path to wisdom. Number one, it's to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord. We actually find it in Proverbs chapter 1, and verse 7, in the introduction. It's actually, this is the theme that runs throughout Proverbs. It's just simply this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The starting point on the path towards wisdom is always the fear of the Lord. That's its foundation. Now, there are different degrees of fear. There are different kinds of fear, okay? So what does it mean then to fear the Lord? Well, let me tell you. It doesn't mean to live in terror of him. You know, where we're kind of looking over our shoulders all the time, where we have this like feeling in the pit of our stomach that feels like the impending doom. Okay, that's not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about the fear of the Lord. When the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it talks about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for him. A healthy sense of reverence and awe for him. So the fear of the Lord means that I understand that there is a million mile difference between me and God. You see, last time I checked, I can't obliterate the universe or create the universe with the word of my mouth. I don't make the mountains tremble. I don't understand all of the mysteries of the universe. I can't bring life from death, right? There is a God, and I am not him. So when I understand that, when I understand this juxtaposition of who I am versus who God is, when I finally get that in my mind and I get that straight, I have no alternative but to fear him. Awe and respect when I truly understand who God is. And because I don't rule the universe, I come to terms with this fact that I don't make up the rules. I don't make up my own definition of right and wrong. Instead, because I fear him, I bow a knee, I take a knee, and I want to align my life with his moral order in the way that he's created the universe. I want to say to him, not my will, but your will be done. Let's look at another set of verses from Proverbs uh, to help us kind of understand this a little bit better. And these are very famous verses. I mean, these are verses that are found on, stamped on T-shirts and coffee cup mugs and memes, right? You know these verses very, very well. Often we talk about verse 5 and 6, but we don't actually look at verse 7. That one gets excluded. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise... In your own eyes, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. So these ver verses aren't tea leaves, they're not a crystal ball, okay? Rather, they're instruction here on how to enter into wisdom through the fear of the Lord. And they tell us, show us what it means to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord, that means that we're willing to trust Him with everything. So we're, we're willing to move over from the driver's seat into the passenger seat and say, Jesus, you're in control, you're driving this car. To fear the Lord also means that in all our ways we acknowledge Him. In other words, we come to know Him. We invite Him to participate in every aspect of our lives, every corner of our lives. We say, Jesus, enter in and give me wisdom. And I wonder for you today, do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? Because if you don't fear the Lord, it is very, very difficult to participate in the wisdom that He has for you and for your life. That's the starting point. Is there some aspect of your life where you say, that's off limits to God? God, I don't want you to have, uh, to, to put the flashlight in there to enter into control in that part of my life. Is there some aspect of, the, of that, of your life? Because Proverbs invites us in all our ways, in all our ways to acknowledge him. Do you fear the Lord? 
But here's the second path. The second path is to pursue wisdom. See, if you want wisdom, if you want wisdom, then ultimately you need to go after it. Let's look at Proverbs 2. Here's what it says. It says, yes, if you call out for insight and you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and you search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So you read those verses and you kind of get the sense that there's, there's, a, there's a certain desperation involved in the pursuit of wisdom. There's a hunger for it. There's a, a longing for it. I mean, the image he uses is that of a prospector going after si- silver. You know how hard that is? How much work it is to go mining for silver on your own? Or the other image is a treasure hunter seeking her fortune. Two summers ago, there was a man, his name is Jeff Murphy. He went hiking in Yellowstone National Park, and he just disappeared. He was out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knew why he was out in the middle of nowhere. And for two days, they brought in the helicopters, they searched for him, they found him, and they discovered that he had fallen off a mountain 500 feet to his death, fell into a chute, and boom, he was dead. What was he doing in the middle of nowhere in Yellowstone National Park? He was hunting for hidden treasure. See, he believed that he was on the pathway to discovering the hidden treasure of Forrest Fenn. You might ask, who is Forrest Fenn? Forrest Fenn is an eccentric uh, art collector and multimillionaire. And Forrest Fenn, in his memoir, his famous memoir, stated that he had hidden a treasure in the mountains, somewhere between Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the Canadian border. He had hidden it. And and, and in in his memoir, he actually wrote a poem. He wrote a poem that kind of gives descriptions on how to find this treasure. The treasure is in a 10 by 10 Romanesque ornate box, and inside of it contains gold and jewels worth millions and millions of dollars. So treasure hunters have been going crazy trying to find this treasure. I mean, there are websites dedicated to trying to interpret this poem and trying to find this treasure. And so Jeff Murphy is just one of those treasure hunters who went out after it. In fact, Four people so far have died trying to find this hidden treasure of this eccentric millionaire named Forrest Fenn. It takes commitment to go after hidden treasure. I mean, you have to really, really, really want it if you're going to get it. And Proverbs invites us to search for wisdom in the same way. You know, when, when King Solomon first sat on the throne, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And the Lord said to Solomon, he says, anything you want, anything at all, ask it, and I will give it to you. Can you imagine getting an offer like that from God? If God offered you that, I mean, what would you ask for? Do you ever think about that? Lifetime supply of pumpkin spice lattes, right? Little cheddar cheese, you know, all the money in the world. Humiliation of your enemies, right? Humiliation of all my enemies, dear God. All of a sudden, 253 people get pantsed simultaneously, okay? (laughs) What would you ask for if you could ask for anything? What What did Solomon ask for? Well, it says that Solomon asks for wisdom to govern his people justly. Which, when you think about it, I mean, he could have asked for anything. But instead, he chose this brilliant, selfless prayer that was for the benefit of everybody else. And what does it say? What does it say that God's response to it was? Well, let, let's read it. I love what God says in 1 Kings chapter 3. It says, It pleased the Lord. 
it pleased the Lord um, that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. So when Solomon asked for wisdom, God gave it to him. In fact, he became the wisest king in Israel. He's actually the wisest person in that entire land in that day as well. I mean, his wisdom had such notoriety that people came to him from all over the world just to sit at his feet and hear his wisdom. Even the queen of Sheba herself came and sat at Solomon's feet just to hear the wisdom that he had to share. He was like a walking Wikipedia. But Solomon understood then that when you ask for wisdom... God will provide. God doesn't just provide wisdom for kings. God provides wisdom for his entire royal family. And we who put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we've, entered, we've, we've left behind darkness and we've moved into light. We are no longer foreigners and aliens and enemies of God, but now we are the sons and daughters of the king. We are part of God's royal family. We too, we too can ask God for wisdom and he will give us wisdom. Not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because through Christ Jesus, he has brought us from death to life, from being strangers to being members of his royal family. Here's what it says in the book of James. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, any of you, children of God, let him ask God who gives generously to all, without reproach. So he's not saying, you want wisdom? Come on. No, without reproach. And it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What's it saying? It says God gives wisdom to his children, members of the royal family who ask. But when we ask, he says, don't do so lightly. He says we should do it eagerly. We should do it with expectation. Like a treasure hunter, like a prospector. Pursue it, seek it, cry aloud for it. And when you do that, when you honestly come to God and say, God, I need wisdom, the promise is, is that God will provide us wisdom. He'll give that to us. So pursue wisdom. And finally, the final way, the final path towards getting wisdom is this, simple. It's actually study Proverbs. Study Proverbs. You know, God gave us Proverbs. He gave you Proverbs so that you could gain wisdom. And it is a blessing that is accessible to each and every one of us. We live in a country where we have the freedom and the liberty to read Scripture, to have a Bible, to have multiple Bibles, to have digital access to Scripture. That's the world in which we live in. What a great gift that God has given us. He's given us Proverbs. And, and the book of Proverbs actually starts this way. Proverbs chapter 1, it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. That's what the book of Proverbs is for, to give us wisdom and knowledge and to give us insight. So what is it saying? It's saying that this book, if you read it, it will give you wisdom. It will give you knowledge. It will give you insight if you read it. But then after you read it, to therefore apply it, to put it into practice, to live it out. And when you do that, then you will get wisdom. You will enter into God's wisdom in your life. I became a follower of Jesus when I was 18 years old, and I went to Bible college right after graduation. 
okay? So I didn't have any church life. I didn't have any church memory. When I got to Bible college, I mean, I was at a tremendous disadvantage from all the other students who grew up in Sunday school, who knew all of the stories, right? I didn't know Mary from Moses when I got to Bible college. I didn't know anything. Um, and, and, and to add to all of that, I also spent most of my life living like a fool and hanging out with a bunch of fools, a gang of fools. So that's who I was. You might say I had a tremendous wisdom deficit. And what I had before me was a, a huge, steep learning curve in my life. But I had one thing. I had a hunger for God's word. This voracious appetite to grow, to learn. Because I'd left so much behind me. And Jesus had rescued me from darkness. And he'd given me so much in his grace. I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to know. I just wanted to read. I craved knowledge and understanding. And at about that time, a, a very wise mentor in my life, he said to me this. He said, you know that the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters? I said, no. How would I know that? No. 31 chapters. And he says, you know, there is a chapter in the book of Proverbs for every day of the month. He says, and if you will turn to the date of the month and you will just read the book of Proverbs on that date, every single day, it will change your life. And I took him at his word. I took him at his word for two years straight. You know, sometimes I missed, but whatever day of the week, month it was, in addition to all my other Bible reading, I just turned to the book of Proverbs and I read it. And I put it into practice. And I lived it out. And I called aloud for wisdom. And God in his grace changed me. Listen, if you knew me back then, I mean, I was a fool. I was like, Mr. T was talking about me when he says, I pity the fool, okay? I was the fool, right? <laughs> but through studying the book of Proverbs, it changed my life. It changed me in all aspects, and it gave me skill for living, and it changed my character so that my heart became aligned with God's moral order in the universe. So friends, I, I, wanna, I just want to put out a challenge to each of us this month. You know, this teaching series is going to span about five weeks. And as it turns out, there are 31 days contained within those five weeks. And I wonder, that's just enough time for each and every one of us to make our way through the book of Proverbs. What if you decided to read a chapter of Proverbs every day this month and to try to put it into practice, to, to live it out? You know, I think as a community, that'd be kind of cool. That we're all reading the same thing, and we can talk about it to each other. You say, oh yeah, I read this in the Proverbs, you know. Um, I think that would be a cool thing. And by the way, today's date is September 8th, so that means you would start in chapter 8. And it's not too late to read chapter 8. And wouldn't that be great? And by the way, stick with us for the remainder of this series because we're going to be spending some time in Proverbs. We're not going to be able to cover the entire book because, you know, after you get past chapter 9, Proverbs is kind of all over the place uh, for, for, for its verses. So instead, we're going to focus in on four characters from Proverbs who show up time and time again. I've called them the fools of Proverbs. So the slacker, the scorner, the stomach, and the simple. And so we're going to be learning wisdom from their folly because the, they come up time and time again throughout the book of Proverbs. And I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, uh, putting this series together and talking about it, so I'm looking forward to that. So I hope that you will stay checked in with us for the rest of this series as we go through Proverbs together. So let me return to the question I began with at the beginning of this message. It's a simple question. Would you rather be wise or foolish? 
Would you rather have your life marked by wisdom or folly? Proverbs 4 challenges us this way. Let me read it again for us. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Let's pray together and I'll invite the band. Our Lord Jesus, we know that in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We also know that you became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus, you are the incarnation of God's wisdom, and so we turn to you. Be wisdom to us. Give us wisdom. Help us to long for it, to pursue it. We fear you because of who you are and all that you've done. And we love you. And may we be a community of people who are marked by wisdom and not by folly. That we might be a blessing in our workplaces, our families, our neighborhoods, this neighborhood, in this city and to the ends of the earth. Your people. Thank you for your gracious gift of wisdom. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way 